Welcome to another edition of the Kentucky High School Baseball Coaches Association podcast. I'm your host, Levi Bristow, and this is All Things Kentucky Baseball. Man, as we are wrapping up the third week of the season, it has been an amazing weather so far. So first off, I want to thank the weatherman. You've done an amazing job so far. Keep it up. And of course, God and Earth, keep letting us have the opportunity to play this game we love and uh, no more rainouts, and that would be amazing. So that being said, let's go ahead and talk about this episode. I'm excited to have Chris Fuller on. Chris is the founding director of Kentucky Prep Baseball Report. He's going on his ninth, sixth year, uh, I believe, as he started in 2013. And once you hear about his background as a former Division One player, a former pro scout, high school coach, his, his kids both played in college, I mean, you could not find a guy who was more qualified for that position, and uh, I've got to meet Chris, and, and man, what an amazing, amazing man, and I'm so excited to get this information out there. It's just important. It's important for players, for parents, and coaches to understand what's going to turn a coach off, what's going to make a coach want that player, what what's the ways they can reach out to, to colleges that they think possibly a good fit. So... This episode's jam-packed. It's the longest episode we've had, and it's well worth it. As You can't find more topics that, that parents and coaches care about more than getting your kids to the next level. Um, so that being said, let's go and dive into the episode. So let's go ahead and jump into the episode. Chris, how's it going today, man? Doing well, Coach. How are you? Doing great. So... I'm sitting there one day on my phone, get a message from Mr. PBR Kentucky himself, Chris Fuller. And uh, it was like, hey, I'd love to do this episode regarding all things recruiting. And you had like eight bullet points in there. And I was like, man, that's going to be awesome. I knew right away. So so that being said, go ahead and uh, let's just let the listeners know why uh, why you reached out to me for regarding this episode. Yeah, I just, you know, at our events, uh, a, lot, a lot of times we're, we're dealing with a large number of players, you know, 100 to 150 players, and uh, we don't really have the time to to get you know, too in-depth in terms of uh, recruiting information to players and parents because uh, you know, we don't have time constraint trying to get everybody showcased. So um, just something that, uh, yeah, I feel I can, I can give some valuable information to, to kids and parents and families about the recruiting process to help guide them through through it and uh, uh, provide them with some information that we don't always get the time to talk about at our events and and that's why I reached out to you. Yeah, I cannot be more excited as I as I said in our previous couple of recordings we tried to do tonight. Um, I think I have a feeling this could go on for a long time and I'm excited about that. That's for sure. So that being said, let's go and uh, talk about how you got how you got the role you're at now and how you got there. Yeah, so um, yeah, in terms of baseball background, of course, I played as a kid and up through high school and <clears throat> was lucky enough to have the opportunity to play Division One baseball at Xavier University in Cincinnati. Um, and then beyond, beyond my, my college career, uh, got involved in coaching, uh, was, was fortunate enough to uh, coach with the Midland organization out of Cincinnati, which some people, a lot of people will recognize as one of the top travel ball programs in the country. Uh, coach, coach for that organization for several years. I uh, was also a high school coach in the Cincinnati area. Um, and I've kind of run the gamut in terms of the angles that I've been on, you know, involved with baseball uh, in terms of, you know, high school and travel ball coach, 
Uh, I've had two sons that played college baseball and now on a scouting aspect with PBR, I've done some scouting work for San Diego Padres and Kansas City Royals. Um, so that's kind of, uh, I've kind of evolved from, you know, as a coach to a parent to now scout. And um, in terms of how you know, I got involved with PBR, um, and PBR started in 2005 with our flagship state uh, in Illinois, which is where we're headquartered in Chicago. Um, it's been a slow but steady growth through uh, you know, through the last almost 15 years. And we fired up PBR Kentucky um, in 2013. And a uh, buddy of mine that I had coached against, Chris Valentine, was, had started PBR in Ohio in 2000, I believe it was 2011. Um, at that point, my youngest son was still a high school player. And I didn't really know what PBR was about. Uh, I right. knew that uh, I had seen some things about it, some showcases they were running. I had a conversation with Chris. This was probably at some point in 2012. He had mentioned they were looking for somebody to uh, to run operations in Kentucky. And uh, just kind of went from there. Um, I had a, had a really good meeting with our president and CEO, Sean Duncan. Um, you know, he wanted to make sure that they were going to make a good hire in, in Kentucky. And um, it just, you know, it just kind of went from there. We, we started PBR Kentucky basically in the fall of 2013. And at that point, um, Kentucky was the eighth state in the PBR family, so to speak, the eighth state that we ran operations in. And now, right. you know, six years later, uh, six and a half years later, we are almost in, every, you know, in, in every, you know, all 50 states with the exception of a few you know, smaller states. Um, right. we're, in, we're in all areas of the country, so we're excited about that growth and what lies, you know, what lies ahead for us as an organization. Man, that's a great. I mean, just thinking about if I was looking for a resume of somebody that that could run PBR for any state, that <laughs> that's pretty impressive, Chris. From you know, from playing at Xavier Division One, which was was who was your coach at Xavier? Uh, a guy named Larry Redwine. Um, <laughs> He had uh, he'd been there for a while, and he was there for a little bit after I left. But uh, he's also some 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 travel ball guys may recognize that name because he was also um, at one point the, the Southwest Ohio League, which is a select baseball league here in Cincinnati, was the largest select league in the country. And Larry was the head of that as well. So oh, okay. Uh, well, and then as far as then going to the high school ranks, how long were your high school coach for? Um, I coached for, oh gosh, you're putting me to the test here. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, coached can... high, I coached in the high school ranks for five years. Five years. Um, I was, I was the varsity pitching coach at a, actually a high school in Cincinnati. It's no longer around, uh, yeah. high school. And they just combined that high school with another high school, um, last year and, uh, opened a gigantic high school yeah. uh, in, the, in the Cincinnati area. But, uh, the varsity pitching coach. Pitching is my background. Okay. Pitcher college, um, but yeah, I was. Uh, That's kind of funny because I you know, you did the podcast with Coach Bioni from Highlands. He's, yeah. He's one of my best friends, and <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, he was talking about the you know the best job. The best job is an assistant coach job. And I, I <laughs> yeah. really agree with that. Uh, so we done coaching, got the PBR thing going. So what was kind of the the when you first started PBR, it was kind of like your, your main mission or goals as far as is there a format to follow based on, on what Sean had you do or, or what? Yeah. Um, for me, I, you know, I had, I had developed, 
a lot of relationships with college coaches from from coaching myself and uh, you know sending players on on to the next level. And I, but before I could get involved with an organization, organization, I I needed to make sure from my standpoint that it was something that was good for the kids. Right. And um, so I reached out to several college coaches that I knew and had developed relationships with. And, uh, you know, ask them about PBR and what their opinion of, of it was and so on and so forth. And I, I, I couldn't find anybody that had anything bad to say about what PBR was doing and the information mm-hmm. they were putting out about players and the credibility of the organization, uh, which was, you know, which was key for me. And um, so once I had that, you know, that box checked, and I knew that it was something that was going to be good for the kids, um, you know, I was ready to roll in Kentucky. And, um, and to be honest, I, you know, I, I, I knew some guys in Northern Kentucky because of its proximity to where I live, but, um, yeah, I kind of went into, uh, the Kentucky baseball scene kind of blind at first. Um, yeah. I was more of an Ohio guy, uh, you know, coached, coached Ohio, you know, travel ball and Ohio high school ball. And I wasn't really familiar with everything, um, and how Kentucky worked and operated, but yeah, I learned quickly, um, kind of, you know, partnered up with some key people uh, that was able to provide me information quick on players and some of the top players in the state when we first started and things like that. And uh, we were really well received. And, and, you know, there were a lot of people that were on board with what we were doing um, that really made the transition from, uh, you know, not really um, heavily knowing the state to, uh, to to knowing the state made it a lot you know, a lot smoother than it could have been. Right, cool deal. So let's go and dive into the nuts and bolts of this. So as far as from a, I'll just jump in the main question we talked about before is, so what are some things that players can do to help themselves get to the next level? Yeah, great question. Um, I always tell kids this, and, and when I do get the opportunity to talk to them, the first thing we talk about is academics. Um, and I, you know, I'll tell them, um, you know, if you if you don't take anything away from, from what we we talk about here today, you take this away. The single most important thing that you can do to help yourself with opportunities to play baseball at the college level is to take care of your work in the classroom, bar none. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to work as hard or harder in the classroom than you do on your baseball game. Um, and, you know, there are all kinds of opportunities to play in college. And, you know, a lot of kids, parents get hung up on, on Division One. The, the reality of that is that if you look at, if you go through our website and you look at commitments, college commitments by class, um, you know, we, we will typically have anywhere from, 30 to 40 guys right. uh, on any given year that, that commit to division one schools by class. Um, the rest of those guys are, you know, playing baseball at the smaller college levels and there's really good baseball to be played there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the biggest thing you can do to help yourself as a player is to, uh, to perform as well academically as you can, because the reality of it is baseball is a partial scholarship sport. Right. Um, you know, if you look at in terms of Division One scholarships, and if a school is fully funded, and not all of them are, but if they are fully funded by by the institution, 
you know, they're looking at 11.7 scholarships for a roster of 27 scholarship players and you know, eight walk-ons. So 35 kids on a, on a Division One roster, 11.7 scholarships. So, you know, do the math. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. There's not a whole lot of full rides going around, you know, athletic, in terms of athletic scholarship money for baseball players. Now, where you can do really well is if you combine academics uh, with athletic money. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're a good student, you know, you're a, you're a 3.8 guy and you, you know, you scored a, a 30 on your, on your ACT. Um, you know, you can get academic money from that institution that doesn't count against the baseball program. So you can right. combine both. And now you've got yourself a pretty good package. Yeah. Um, you know, and those academic requirements would be uh, a 105 ACT sum score, which uh, combine, you know, talking some summary scores. So you combine and you take your, your number for the four different categories and add it up. If it's a, if it's a 105 or better. Or if you have a 3.5 grade point average on a full 2.0 scale, um, or if you graduate in the top 10% of your class, you need any one of those three requirements. Now you can get academic money from that institution, and it doesn't count against the the baseball program. If you don't meet those requirements, you can still get academic money. But any any academic money the institution gives you, the baseball program has to count towards their scholarships. Right. Um, so that's why it's extremely important to to, uh, to make sure that you take care of your business in the classroom, uh, that you get off to a good start as a freshman in high school. Uh, it's just like anything else. If you don't get off to a good start, you know, you don't do very well your freshman year. You're digging yourself out for the next three. Um, so, so combining academic and athletic aid, um, that's where you hear some of these kids say, well, I'm, I'm getting 90% to go to yeah. you know, wherever. Um, they're getting 90% combination. And you can do really well if you're able to combine both. Right. Yeah. Now, now, the flip side of that is I have schools who contact me about players in state schools, um, you know, schools like Bellarmine, schools like Transy, where you know academics are very, very important. And the first thing they ask me about a player is not how good is he. It's, uh, you know, what's his, what's his GPA and ACT? Because if, if, you, if you're not, you know, at a certain level, they can't even get you into their, into their school. Um, so, you know, that's the other side of that, too, is that um, if you don't have, you know, a certain GPA, a certain ACT score, you're going to limit your opportunities just from the fact that you can't get into that school because you haven't scored high enough. So, Chris, let me, let me pause you right there on that. So, I know for me, it you know, I, of course, I'm familiar with your site for lots of lots of reasons. Of course, my players and and is also looking at people about to play. Um, but so as far as the GPA ACT, like I didn't know that. So if I'm somebody not familiar with PBR, so you guys, what is it? Whenever you work out kids, you get the GPA and ACT, or so yeah. how does that work? Yeah, when a kid registers for one of our events, uh, they fill out the registration form online. They 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 fill out all that information. Okay. So any kid that's come to one of our events, I've got academic information on. Um, I've got contact information on. So you know, a lot of coaches will text or email or call me for contact information on kids, um, academic information on kids, um, and that kind of thing. And don't don't get me wrong. You know, when I say schools like Bellarmine, Transy, 
um, you know, some other schools who are asking for academic information, right. you still have to be able to play. They're, I mean, well, of course, you have, oh yeah, baseball oh, yeah. ability. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, if you don't meet their academic standards, they they're wasting their time recruiting you. Um, but yeah, to, to answer your question, the, the, the kids and parents fill that information out when they register for our events so that we have it available. Okay. And so let's go into the flip side of that. So as far as, of course, academics, kind of like just opening doors, right? So the higher, the better GPA is, the more schools you have available to choose from, right? Um, yeah, correct. Yeah. And, and, Absolutely. and, uh, and so as far as let's talk about some of the, the, the negatives, what are some things you see that, that, that players do, or, or maybe their parents we talked about earlier that they can get kids not recruited that, that definitely opened my ears up. Yeah. Um, in terms of players, obviously, you know, you want to present yourself on and off the field in a manner that um, reflects well on you. And I, you know, I tell kids that, you know, you got to think of it as, um, you know, it's like a job interview. The coach comes to watch you play. He's watching everything you do on the field, and he's actually watching everything you do before you get on the field. And a lot of kids don't realize that. Right. If you come strolling in with your, your shirt is untucked, your hat's on backwards, um, you know, you look, you know, first impressions and appearance mean a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, when you pull up to the field, you get out of your car, you should be dressed and ready to go. Um, because if a coach is there and coaches like to get, get there early because they want to see how kids are, they want, they want to see infield and outfield, they want to see who stands out. Um, if, if you present yourself in a manner that just doesn't reflect well on you, um, you know, that means a lot. And first impressions are hard to change. So, um, you know, just, just taking that aspect of it seriously first and foremost. But uh, once you get on the field, um, you know, conducting yourself in a manner that, that, that doesn't reflect poorly on you. If you strike out, you know, coach doesn't want to see you throw a bat or a helmet um, or, you know, drop a four-letter word. Um, coaches want to see kids that compete. Part of competing is, and, you know, baseball is a game of failure. And mm-hmm. part of, a big part of competing is how you respond when you fail. And if you uh, – if you lose your head and, you know, because you, you struck out, you got a bad third strike call, you didn't think it was a strike or whatever, and you go out to shortstop and you're still thinking about that bat and the first kid hits a ground ball to you, you boot it because you're still angry about your your last at bat. Um, that's not competing. That's not competing well. Right. Um, competing is doing what you can to help your team win that day. You might have a bad day offensively at the plate, but what else can you do? Um, so, you know, just, just acting you know, appropriately acting, um, um, you know, have, be competitive, have a fire, have a passion to play the game, but know how to channel it the right way to maximize your performance, not detract from it. Um, so that, that's a big thing. And then in terms of off the field, um, you know, Back in my day, we didn't have social media. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, for sure. But you know, nowadays, uh, that's the reality of things. So we, we use social media with PPR um, you know, to help to help get information out about players. It can be great. It can be a really, really great thing. 
Um, it can also be a detriment if you if you put the wrong stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, all these kids are on social media. They're all on Twitter. They're all on Instagram, Snapchat, whatever else we have now. Um, but uh, yeah, you just really have to be really careful about what you put out there um, because uh, I've seen kids cost themselves scholarship opportunities by what they've put out on social media. Yeah. And when coaches when coaches follow a player on social media, they're not following them for any other reason than to see what that kid's character is. Um, you know, they're not following them to be buddies or anything like that. They, they want to see, uh, see what you're doing. And, um, you know, if you, if you retweet something, you may as well have tweeted it yourself. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So just gotta be really careful about, um, you know, you're building your resume as a player. You don't want to put anything on your resume that reflects poor, poorly on you. I got actually had a retweet story where I, uh, one day I'm with my athletic director sitting there going over and he's like, yeah, I, you know, I got this, this tweet you sent about, and it was bad. I'm like, are you talking about ever anything bad, you know? And I retweeted this, uh, this, with this, 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 this black kid got this white kid, like got him shoes and a backpack. His white kid was poor. And it was like all tweet on the internet. And it was like retweet. Like, oh, it's awesome. It was great. It was, like, it was like a high school thing where they, you know, made it something pretty awesome out there. And, and uh, so I retweeted it and, and that's all I did. But I didn't notice the person that re- I retweeted it from. His name was like all cuss words. <laughs> so, and so my, I was like, oh man, I didn't even see that. My, my AD was cool about it. He's like, hey, I, it, was, it was something good. It was actually, you know, a great, a great thing. But you got to watch, you know, the name you're tweeting. I'm like, yeah, I didn't notice that. So I took it down. So, you know, got to make sure that the name's not nothing, you know, crazy in there. But, but you know, I was guilty of it too. So I, I didn't pay attention to, to that. But, but definitely. Yeah, it can be really easy to make that kind of mistake. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's why you just really have to be careful about what, you know, what you're doing on your social media channels. That's for sure. Um, in terms of you asked the question about parents. Yeah. Um, I was about to go with that right there. Everybody, every coach's favorite subject is talking about the parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, we, get, we do get the opportunity to talk to the parents. We run a couple of uh, our, uh, tryouts for our junior future games teams. Um, which is in August for, for 12 to 14 new players. And mm-hmm. at those events, I do get the opportunity to talk to parents. So some of those you know, parents um, have heard, you know, heard this before. So if they're listening, they're going to, they're going to hear it again, but um, it's uh, it, you as a parent, you know, you can absolutely cost your son um, opportunities to play baseball at the next level based on how you behave at uh, at games, and um, I, I I always tell I tell the parents is you want your son to stand out, you don't want to stand out at yourself. And if you're standing out yourself as a parent at a game, that's that's not a good thing. Yeah, um, coaches coaches don't want high maintenance parents. Um, they don't they don't want they don't want to deal with that in their program, and. Um, you know, some of the things I see parents do and, and, you know, I don't think they have, they certainly don't have bad intentions and they certainly don't want to um, cost their, their kid opportunities. Um, I just think they don't, they don't know. And if you are, you know, if you're at the game and you, you know, you're constantly on the umpires, um, you're, you're yelling about, you know, one out of every four pitches, that, that's not a strike blue. They, you know, you're standing out yourself. You're not doing your son any favors. Um, 
it's absolutely okay to cheer. It's absolutely okay to, uh, you know, let somebody on the team that you're rooting for or your son know when they've done something something well. Um, but if you're one of these people that's constantly arguing or constantly on the umpire or, um, you know, that kind of stuff, uh, I've seen people argue with opposing fans. Um, mm-hmm. It's just not a good look. And it's uh, it certainly can cost can cost you know kids opportunities, right? Um, and so, as far as the, the parents and stuff, is there anything that so would you say the best thing parents can do is just to cheer their kids on in the stands, be positive, and not uh, and not be too vocal? Would you say? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I've been sitting with coaches where. Uh, I told you and I before we uh, we started recording, we had this conversation. I've been sitting with coaches where, um, you know, they've they've actually I've seen them physically cross kids off their, you know, off of their recruiting list based on behavior of a parent. Right. Um, And um, you know, I've seen I've seen coaches get up and leave when they were there to see a kid, and um, you know, the parent acted a certain way. you know, one of one of the guys that works with me, Jeff Johnson, he's been with me for almost since the beginning. He always tells the story of um, he was he was at a game where um, there were probably 15, 15 schools to see this kid pitch, and the first inning, the kid gets on the mound, and his and his mom comes down behind the backstop, and from the first pitch on, she's she's all over the umpire, and at the end of the first inning, there were no coaches left in the stands. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, yeah. So it, it, it can, you know, regardless of, of you know, your intentions, it can and it will cost your son opportunities if, uh, if, you, if you don't, if you don't uh, display the right behavior. I'll tell you, if I, had, if I had a son playing today, personally, I'd probably sit out in left field. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I just don't want to take, I just don't want to take that chance to, to say something or do something that, uh, that hurts my kid. Um, again, you want your, you want your kid to stand out in the field. You don't want to stand out in the stands. That's, that's not a good look. Yeah. And I can, you know, being a father of a two and four year old little girls and of course a 16 year old, I can totally understand coming from a parent of anybody, you know, your kids out there, things get more passionate. You just never know you're going to say something dumb because, you know, I've done it. We've all done it, you know. Because uh, we love our children, that's for sure. Um, so it's moving on a little bit, um, Chris. So as far as uh, some of the, the the you've worked with a lot of colleges, I'm sure, and talked to a lot of recruiters and as a scout. What are some things as far from the other end, as far as some good programs or how are ways that you see like good programs recruiting kids or or ways they ask people questions as far as like the parents or the coaches or what are some good traits you see in the, in some good college? Like if you're a kid and you have five or six options. What are some things they should be looking for as far as in a college program? Yeah, well, um, I mean, we are we are fortunate um, in our state. We have um, man, we, we have some really really good college baseball programs. Yeah, um, from the Division One level on down, and um, you know, there's a uh, we've got some good Division Two programs, some good Division Three programs, the NAIA conference. 
and South Conference that a lot of Kentucky and AIA schools play in. Uh, really, really good baseball. And there's some guys that have been coaching at those schools for a long time. And they're really, really good at developing players. Um, in terms of what, you know, the kids should be looking for is, you know, I, just the right fit. Um, mm-hmm. And there's two, you know, there's two parts to, to, um, to the equation. And, and one is academics and one is baseball. Right. And um, they go hand in hand. And, you know, you should be looking for, um, the right, the, you know, the, the right school that provides you with the academic uh, opportunity you're looking for, and the baseball opportunity you're looking for, and um, you know, but there we're fortunate we have, and we have a lot of uh, a lot of really good programs, and a, a lot of you know, I just saw where uh, Coach Bramble at Midway, I think it was his was his 500th win. Oh yeah, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Coach Shelton recently down at University of Cumberland's uh, last year won a, you know, was, was, uh, won a big number. Um, and, and those guys have been, you know, doing it forever as well as some others. Um, so it's, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have those guys in the state and, um, they continue to develop players and, and, um, um, you know, it's, it's just finding the right fit academically and athletically um, with with ideally the, the right program that would offer you the opportunity to play, you know, earlier rather than later in your college career. So kind of flipping things, Chris, to a player side. So uh, what are some things that, that players can do to, to get noticed, to stick out, or to stay like on a program's radar? Yeah. Um, well, obviously, you know, I being the being our scouting director in Kentucky, I feel like we offer a, a really good platform for players um, to show you know what they're capable of and uh, kind of build their resume as a player. And uh, to come to one of our events, you know, we're going to get all their measurables, uh, going to shoot video of them, we're going to create the profile and website, and then we're going to we're going to feature um, players that you know we feel can play at the college level. Um, Players are able to use that information in, in email communication that they have with college coaches. So um, they can send a link to their PBR profile. Um, you know, they, they should absolutely be proactive in emailing um, coaches and programs that they think they would have interest in. Right. Um, the biggest thing is to keep, you know, coaches are busy. Man, these guys are really busy. Um, from you know, coaching a team to recruiting to trying to balance family life and or some semblance of family life. Um, these guys are always uh, on the run, but um, keeping the communication short and simple. Um, you know, video short. You know, when we shoot video at our events, it's you know it's pretty short, and we edit out all of the the dead space in there. Yeah. Um, so that it makes it quicker for coaches to view. Um, that kind of thing. If you send a, you know, if you send a four minute video, it's not going to get watched or very little of it's going to get watched. Um, so just, you know, keeping, keeping things short and simple. Um, if you've been to one of our events, include the link to your profile so coaches can see what you've done. Um, and, and that sort of thing. But very, very, very important is the communication should always come from the player. Right. Always. Not from mm-hmm. the parent. Um, coaches that get emails from parents. I, I just saw something on Twitter not too long ago from, from a coach who uh, 
who basically tweeted that that same thing. If if communication comes from a parent, it gives the impression that it's more important than, to the parent than it is the kid. Yes, of course. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's never good. Mm-hmm. Um, so any correspondence that that you know comes from uh, or that goes to college coaches should come from from the player and the player's email address. Um, but yet being proactive, letting coaches know you're there, letting them know you're interested in your, in their program. Uh, once the season starts, um, a periodic email, you know, short and sweet, Hey coach, just wanted to touch base with you, let you know, you know, this is, this is what I've been doing this season. Here's my schedule. If you'd like to come see me play, um, you know, hope to see you soon, that kind of thing. Yeah. Coaches are very, very, very busy guys. Sometimes they need a reminder that you're still there. And uh, I think sometimes players players are afraid to, um, to, to to send that communication because they think they don't know if it's right. But, um, you know, you should absolutely stay in contact with, you know, or contact coaches of programs that you think you would have interest in. Yeah, I got an example for that. Actually, I was fortunate enough, which I'm sure people – especially if you're on Twitter a lot and you uh, follow Tucker Farley with the Yale baseball program, they were uh, recruiting one of my players about eight months ago and uh, got to, got to talk to the head coach a lot on the phone. And, and uh, his main concern was that the, the player that was recruiting wasn't communicating as much as the dad was. And if he asked for things like transcripts or things of that nature, it was it was taking you know weeks for the player to get back to him, and so that was a big turnoff for him, you know, and um, and so I thought I found that very interesting, you know, and it makes, it makes perfect sense. And so he's like, you know, I, I asked this player for stuff, and it seems like it takes him, you know, a week to get back to me. Whereas other players, we asked them to get back to me the next day, and we love that. So I think that can't be understated as far as if a program is interested, and you have interest too, that it's imperative to get back to him in a timely manner. Because they are so busy. Do you have any thoughts yeah. on that, Chris? Yeah, you, you hit you hit a nail on the head right there. And get back to it in a timely manner. Um, I can't tell you how many times this has happened over uh, the almost you know seven years I've been doing this. In that, um, you know, a kid thinks he's not interested in a program. The coach, you know, coach is trying to recruit this player, and the player doesn't think he's interested in this coach's program, so he just doesn't respond. And then that player figures out, oh, I'm not going to play where I thought right. I was going to be able to play. Mm-hmm. So now, now let me text this coach that you know for for six months I just mm-hmm. totally blew off, and yeah. um, they don't get a response. Mm-hmm. Amazing, right? Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah. It's like the dating told, game, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, I tell players this all the time: don't ever burn any bridges because yeah. um, you don't know you don't know what's going to happen. And you, it's okay to not to, to, to it's okay to tell a coach, hey coach, I've, I've got some other options right now uh, that I think I want to pursue. If anything changes, I'll let you know. All right. And that goes a long way towards keeping that relationship with that coach versus just not responding. And now, oh hey coach, I need something from you. Well, guess what? I sent you twenty five text messages and you never responded. I'm not responding to you. Yeah. So um, it's it's a simple it's a simple answer uh, when when you know if you get to that point where 
you've got schools recruiting you and coaches are contacting you. Um, and, you know, it's not a school that you think you're interested in at that moment. You just tell them, I've got some other options right now. Um, if anything changes, I'll be sure to let you know, and I appreciate your interest in me. And boom, you've stopped the communication, but you've also kept the door open with that coach in case something does change. Wow. Four, five, six months down the road. That's a great, that's a great line right there. As far as timelines, Chris, as far as like when's a good time for a player, players to start reaching out to, to college coaches because, you know, like obviously I think first part of spring would be the ideal time, but are there times when coaches are most optimally best to, to, uh, to try to reach? Well, um, in terms of, you know, at what point in, in their high school careers, I mean, we all see it. Um, recruiting continues to get earlier and earlier, you know, for the, for the higher level players. Um, I, it's kind of funny. And I think back to, you know, when I first started doing this in, in 2013, um, I would say 98% of kids didn't commit until the summer after their junior year. Man, yeah. you know, and now, now we're seeing, you know, freshmen and sophomores and in some cases, eighth graders who are, who are committing to schools. Um, so, you know, and, and we're talking high level guys, you know, we're talking right, of course. You know, the higher level players. Um, so recruiting happens differently. You know, if it, it's, it's an individual thing and it's going to happen at different times for different players. Um, I just don't think you can really start the process. I mean, we don't want sixth graders, you know, we're not going <laughs> to, yeah. we're not doing that. Mm. But, um, but, you know, when you start getting into the 14, 15 year old, um, range you should probably start thinking about how you want to approach it and and that kind of thing um coaches can't contact you um they can't contact freshmen and sophomores directly right so a lot of they'll go through a third party a lot of times sometimes you know we just had our big preseason all-state showcase in, in mid-february um i had several coaches reach out to me to have you know, players call them at a certain time mm-hmm. and um, you know, players, players can call them. If they don't answer, players can leave a message, but the coach can't call them back. The only way that a freshman or sophomore can talk to a college coach is if they call that coach and the coach picks up the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yep. you know, people wonder how freshmen and sophomores commit all the time with it, with, some of these rules in place. And now you really, you know, it was about a year ago, the NCAA changed the rule to where it used to be able to take an unofficial visit anytime. Unofficial meaning the school's not paying for your visit to come there. Um, now you can't do that until September 1st of your junior year. But um, you can still visit. You just can't, you just can't meet with anybody from the athletic department. They can't, somebody from the athletic department can't show you athletic facilities and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but, but, you know, this is how, you know, freshmen and sophomores are committing. And, um, you know, coaches will arrange for them to call at a certain time. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll make a visit that doesn't include the coaches showing them the facilities or things like that. Um, that's how it's still going on. But, um, you know, that that timeline that 
September 1st of your junior year is kind of when coaches are allowed. That's, that's when coaches are allowed to start contacting a player directly. Okay. First part of September, which I knew that, but just as a reiterate out there for parents, they're, you know, they're aware that September 1st for juniors, then anybody below juniors, they can't unless you're given a specific time to, Hey, call me on a Sunday night at nine o'clock. Right. Uh, something of that nature, which um, some yeah. of that experience with. And I'll say this, it's really important because I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, especially nowadays with technology and, um, you know, texting and, you know, I have a teenage daughter. Uh, I can I can call her. She won't answer. But I send her yeah. text. She responds immediately. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I feel like you know some some kids aren't comfortable talking. Yeah. Especially to adults. That's true. Um, That's true. Before you before you ever call, if a, if a coach you know contacts me or contacts your high school coach or contacts your travel ball coach and says, "Hey, can you have so and so call me at seven thirty tonight?" Um, the kids should practice talking and how they want to talk to the coach before they ever make the call. Um, just so you sound prepared, you sound somewhat articulate, you know, well-spoken, you want to make a good first impression when you're talking to that coach. And um, it's, it's you know, it's a daunting thing for a 15, 16-year-old kid to pick up the phone and, and call a college coach, especially yeah. if they've never done it before. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I always tell kids and parents that, you know, practice, parents practice with your kid, you know, simulate a conversation, um, come up with a few questions that you would like to ask the coach about his program, things like that. Um, the better you can present yourself on the phone, um, the more lasting impression you're going to leave with that coach. And maybe another tip it would be to maybe know some history about the program. Like if, uh, say, you know, of course, Louisville's contacting you, be like, oh, I noticed you all reached the college series, you know, this year, that year, or blah, blah, blah. So would you recommend absolutely. knowing the history of the other program and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Even if they just won a big game last night, you know, um, be familiar with the program and say, hey, coach, congrats on your win last night or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, that just shows that you have a genuine – interest in the program that you know what you're talking about and uh, it presents yourself well. So let's, let's build upon that timeline a little bit, Chris. So as far as, so you do division one, you, you, you passed your junior year, right? And I know my experience as a high school coach, it seems that of course, the, the few D one kids we have been fortunate enough to have and made one commit a few weeks ago um, that they, it's a junior, you know, before junior year, junior year thing, they're pretty much committing as we just spoken what about the D2 kids? What's the normal time frame for Division II kid versus an AIA Division III kid? What's kind of like the time frame you see as far as, okay, Division One's on option. Okay, now maybe Division II, uh, maybe not Division II, then I move on to AIA. So how does that kind of work in your brain as far as those yeah. time frames? Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, we've seen a trickle-down effect in terms of earlier recruiting for Division One, and it's kind of trickled down to Division Two, you know, three, NAIA, so on. Um, there were always exceptions to this, but in general, if you haven't started receiving division one interest by the time, um, you're into your junior season in high school, yeah, it's probably not going to happen nowadays. Um, and again, I said, there were, there are exceptions. Of I course. Can, I, yeah. I can give you specific exceptions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It happens every year. Um, 
there was uh, there was a kid last year at at you know at Rockcastle County that committed to a pitcher committed to to Kentucky. Uh, I mean, we're talking. You know, this was April. Wow, was senior year. Yeah. Um, one of the Kentucky coaches went to watch um, a player that was committed to them that was playing on the team, the other team, and saw this kid pitch. And, you know, he's 89-91 with a hammer slider, and he ends up, you know, going to tell you, kids pitch, he's, he's pitched quite a few innings this year. It happens. Yeah. Um, some kids are late bloomers. But generally speaking, if you haven't started to receive visual interest, probably by um, the time you start playing your season as a junior in high school, chances are it, it, may, not, you know, it may not happen for you. Um, and you know we're seeing a lot of a lot of juniors are committing to Division two schools now. Um, you know, as a junior, um, five or six years ago that wasn't the case. Um, so, and then it, you know it follows suit with the NAIA's and the, and the, the D threes. Most of the kids that are committing to NAIA's and D threes that typically happens their senior year, yeah, um, or that summer between their junior and senior year, um, somewhere from, you know, from that point on, um, and the same with, with, with junior colleges. We don't have any junior colleges in Kentucky. Um, but you know, junior college can be a really, really good option and a really good financial option for kids, um, to a can go, go be able to play and continue to develop as a player and B get a really good financial deal for two years. Yeah. Um, we see a lot of kids from the western part of Kentucky that go to the the Southern Illinois JUCOs, um, and uh, I think that you know sometimes I remember probably about four or five years ago um, I did an interview with um, Coach Skirka who was at uh, Walter State at the mm-hmm. time. He's now the head coach at Murray State, but um, about kind of the the stigma that goes along with junior colleges and people think it's only for you know, kids that could didn't make the grades in high school. And, right. and, and while there is, um, while there are some of those kids, there are a lot of kids that are good students that are going to, to junior colleges to, to, uh, conti- you know, continue to develop as a player. And, um, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a, a bad stigma out there that it's, you know, kids that didn't make the grades or that got in trouble or, you know, Right, and that's you know it's really not the case. There are some really good junior college programs that do a really good job of developing players, and um, you know so that's an option for for kids as well. And so I, that's funny you say that because you know I was, I was just listening to the uh, I believe the sheets had a podcast about that junior college baseball versus. Um, you know, NAI and the levels and, and how, you know, junior college can be for those kids who are recruited late. And that kind of leads me to my next, my next question. So if you're a, if you're a kid who's a senior and you had a you know, great season, you feel like you've been overlooked and it's, it, it's now season's over. Like what are some of your options as far as trying to get maybe that last scholarship or last place on a team besides trying to walk on somewhere? In the, in the season, the high school season's over at this yeah. point. Yep. Um, yeah, that's that's a tough one. Um, you know, there there are always um, yeah, I, I still see junior college programs that are running, you know, 
they run camps, you know, early in the summer, uh, would be, would be an option for a kid to go, um, you know, go show, show what he could do. Um, if you've got some video that you can still continue to, to send out or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, we always run an event in, in our top prospect games event early in June. Um, mm-hmm. That would be an option. I've had a few unsigned seniors that actually have come to that over the years. I've seen that. Uh, we had a kid, we had a kid one year that um, this kid was a good player. He just fell through the cracks. Yeah. And, um, it's actually, I remember it was 2015, and it was a kid from Scott County, and he came, he came, he asked if he could come. We typically don't take unsigned seniors in the, that event. He reached out to me, asked if he could come. I told him he could. Uh, he ended up walking on at Western Kentucky. I mean, that's uh, awesome. That's going to make you feel good. Yeah, yeah. So um, it can still happen at that point. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, you're up against time, and you're up, you know, you're up against a lot of things. But... Um, you know, you can still research what camps and, and showcases are out there. Um, have your high school coach reach out to some coaches uh, if he believes in you as a player. Uh, send some video if you have video, things like that, and uh, continue to you know to work to work that side of things to see if you can create an opportunity for yourself. Also, I'm going to throw a little shout out to the uh, handwritten letter versus an email. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> So, so I know that uh, I had a player that, that wrote a handwritten letter to a coach uh, about recruiting him, and um, the coach got back to me and was blown away that uh, he actually got a handwritten letter by, by a player, and I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, do you have any experiences with that as far as that, uh, kids doing that or anything? You know, I haven't, um, but, man, I, I can see where that would that would uh, get a coach's attention. If a kid's going to take the time to – to write a handwritten letter and send it to him, which I don't, I'm not sure anybody does these days. Um, that's a kid that, that really wants to play. Um, so, uh, I I haven't personally experienced that, but, um, that, that is pretty awesome. Yeah. It was just, uh, that's, I've heard she's talked about before. And of course on calls from clubhouse, about the the handwritten letters and, and, uh, so, and if you're really trying to stick out, I think that's something, at least in my brain, I think that'd be pretty awesome. And, and uh, for the kids out there trying to get recruited. So let's just try to wrap this up a little bit, Coach, as far as – so as we talked about earlier, a scout. So how does somebody become a scout? I've always wanted, wanted to know that. Well, um, there are there are different levels of scouting in terms of uh, professional baseball. Um, I mentioned that the, the, you know, early on in the podcast, I had done some scouting with, for the San Diego Padres and uh, Kansas City Royals. And that was a, that's what we call an associate scout. Um, an associate scout can, is basically somebody that works under the area scout and that that, that guy trusts and knows that he's going to go out and, and see players and give him good information on players and, um, you know, provide him with some guys, kind of be his, his eyes uh, and ears when he can't be in a certain place um, to say, hey, this is a kid that you need to go see. <clears throat> go see. Yeah. It's not a uh, it's not a full time job. It's not you know it's 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 very part time. But um, that would be the that would be the lower you know lowest level right um, you know entry level um, scouting position with, you know, in terms of professional ranks. So as far um, as a scout, do y'all get do they get paid per like if somebody gets drafted, you get bonus for that, or how does it yeah, work? Yeah, it, it depends. You know, it depends on the organization. Um, yeah. It's not a lot. It's a little right. bit. I'm sure. But if 
if you know if I was if I was the as an associate scout, if I go out and I'm the first guy in the organization that sees this kid, and I recommend him to my area guy, and he goes and sees him, and we end up signing that that kid, and he ends up you know making a big league roster, then you do get a little bonus. Um, but uh, in terms of full time full time scouts, you know we have you have the uh, the area scouts, and those guys are responsible, and just like it sounds, are responsible for an area or a certain territory. Yeah, those are those are full time guys. Those are guys that will have you know gone to scout school. So Major League Baseball mm. runs runs a scout school. Um, it's a comprehensive program that you have to go, um, you know, sit in the classroom, pass a number of tests, so on and so forth, before you um, before you pass the school. And then once you pass scout school, um, you can be you can be or you're eligible to be hired on as a as a you know, full-time scout for an organization it certainly doesn't guarantee you anything. Right. Um, but um, that's that's how guys um, you know get on with organizations in, in the uh, the area scout role. And uh, I'm pretty pretty good friends with a couple of guys that, that have been in that position with different organizations. Um, man, it's a lot of travel. <laughs> it's a it's a lot of travel. I asked I asked a friend of mine. He's a he's a scout with the Pirates. Um, you know, how many days he's on the road overnight a year and he threw out the number uh 150 to 200 man so it's a lot of yeah. baseball it's a lot of travel on a baseball right there man it's a lot of time away from home those guys really grind he's got a he's got a you know, pretty expansive territory yeah um man. but then you know as you work your way up the chain you've got cross checkers uh, you know regional cross checkers national cross checkers um, guys that are responsible for, just like it sounds, cross-checking on the area guys, going to see players that they that they pass up the chain, and make sure that um, you know their opinion of them matches up, and is this somebody we could potentially draft, and so on and so forth. So it's uh, um, you know it gets pretty involved uh, when you get up. You know, there's a lot that goes on, a lot of a lot of boxes that have to be checked before a player. You know, gets drafted by by an organization. A lot of eyes that get on that player before yeah. they, they determine to draft it. All right, so two more questions. We'll wrap this up. So another important question: a lot of coaches like to know out there, and I think you do an amazing job coming from uh, Oldham County. But the coaches' poll, how do y'all come up with that? Oh, I mean, the coaches' poll, how did the, the the PBR power poll? That's what the, I mean. The yeah. Power twenty five. Yeah. It's um, you know when I it, it's me uh, when I put out the you know the preseason. I look at, you know, who's returning, um, you know, success of that team the previous year. Um, and part, you know, part of it is just, you know, gut on my part um, yeah. in terms of who I think is going to continue to progress, what you know, players on the roster and so on, so on and so forth. Um, and then once we get into the season, obviously, you know, as teams begin to build their body of work and got, you know, Teams matching up with other teams, and and uh, yeah, and, and of course, it always it always comes down to pitching matchups in terms of ranking mm-hmm. ranking baseball teams. Um, you know, you you may go play uh, say an X, and you might throw your one, and they might throw their four, and you win that day doesn't necessarily mean you're the better team, right? Of course, uh, but you yeah. but you were that day, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it, there's. Once we get into the season, it's just looking at, um, you know, who's played who, strengths of schedule, 
that plays a factor into it. Um, you know, that just, you know, all the stuff that you would typically think would go into, into building a, a, a top 25. What a great episode with Chris. I appreciate having, having him on the episode and just uh, talk about all things Prep Baseball Report, the services they have to offer, the things parents and, and coaches and players can do to help get their kids uh, noticed, and also ways to, to not make a coach get up and walk away. As it's very important to understand that, you know, as a coach, of course, a lot of college coaches, if you got a parent that's in the Empire's Grill the whole time, the whole time that – you know, I can understand why that college coach would be like, nope, on to the next one because there's uh, lots of lots of kids out there and, and uh, why put up with stuff like that if you don't have to. And, and so those are great points, great stories. And uh, that being said, make sure you guys continue to like us, subscribe, review, share this episode. I mean, this episode is jam-packed information for kids and parents and coaches, we've said many times, as far as helping their kids out get to the next level. Also, make sure you find us on Twitter, K-H-S-B-C-A-O-R-G. Uh, also reach out to me personally, Levi Bristow on Twitter, and I'll uh, be happy to get back to you as we've also had many suggestions and, and a lot of times coaches email me or send me messages and they've been they've been on the next episode. Like Chris, Chris reached out to me and uh, had a bunch of great points in his uh, email and I was like, you know what, let's make that happen. So hope you enjoyed the episode, hope you continue to follow us, and uh, like we said in the, the main part, let's continue to pray for great weather. And uh, we thank all y'all for supporting the association. Welcome to another edition of the Kentucky High School Baseball Coaches Association podcast. I'm your host, Levi Bristow, and this is all things Kentucky baseball. So, bam, we are finally here. It is the opening week of districts and postseason play. I know a lot of first-year coaches are out there kind of nervous and seeing what it's going to be like as far as the postseason. And uh, even veteran three-year coaches like myself are, are pretty nervous as we definitely have our hands full tonight as, as we have North Oldham and Coach Ivester who's done a great job uh, this entire season. And uh, so we'll, we'll go out and try to win a game and, and hopefully make the regional. And uh, I'm excited to, to see how our boys perform tonight as our, I'm sure all of our coaches across the across this wonderful state of Kentucky. That being said, it's been a long time since we've been on here, and uh, we've had some coaches fall through. We had one coach who got kicked out of a game and decided he wanted to lay low, said doing the podcast. I'm not going to say any names, but but uh, that was a funny conversation to say the least. Anyways, we're back at it, and we're coming back to you every week moving forward, updating the postseason, and also bringing out some topics of interest. So that being said, let's go ahead and talk about our guest today, Cameron Grudgel, first-year head coach at Ballard Memorial in Far Region 1 again. He's uh, had some success his first year, but uh, it's just a great perspective to get, again, from the small-A school and uh, some of the pitfalls and struggles they have to deal with. Uh, like, for example, pitching a seventh grader in a varsity game. I, I can't imagine having to do that. But uh, as Coach Mack Whitaker said with Harrison County, you know, they, they're not a stranger to doing things like that, too. And, and we've seen how successful that program has been over the past um, 30 years. So that being said, let's go and dive into the episode. Cameron, so Cameron, how are we doing today, man? Uh, doing good. How about you, sir? I'm doing great. So so Cameron is uh, one of our 
other first-year coaches we've been lucky to have on our podcast. And um, he is at Ballard Memorial in the far, far outreaches of Region 1 baseball, our second Region 1 guest we've had this year. And uh, we're excited to have him on as he's been a, an avid Twitter follower of the uh, Kentucky High School Baseball Coach Association right. Twitter page, which we love that, Cameron. And uh, so right. I'm excited to, to get you on here as you're kind of coming from a different perspective as far as a small school, an A-size school. So I'm, I'm really excited to do all the things as far as your season, but not only that, but like your perspective on as far as ways we can make this game better across the state with maybe the class system and things like that. So without further ado, tell us a little bit about how you got started in coaching. Okay. Well, I'll kind of start with my, with everything. Well, I started over at Heath high school as a player. I was a pitcher, um, did that for three years. Then McCracken came to be after Heath, Reedland and Lono consolidated. I uh, played my senior year at McCracken under, uh, who's, you know, uh, a legend, Region 1 coaches. Um, then I signed with Morthland College, and then I decided – actually, then I transferred to Oakland City University, started working out with them, and then I realized, you know, I'd be a much better coach than a player, so I actually got into coaching. And Evansville Wrights on the west side of Evansville had an opening for a freshman coach, and I put in for it. The athletic director, uh, Miss Hagen, actually gave me a call and asked if I'd come in for an interview, and I did. And the interview went really well. It went and with a week or so, I got a call saying, you know, uh, would you like the job? And I said, well, of course. So I did. I did freshman ball for a couple of years at Wright. Um, I just graduated college last year. After I, that second season got over, I was looking to do something a little different, and I saw uh, this past fall that Ballard actually had their head coaching job open. Well, you know, I, I told myself, I said, you know, I'll, I'll put in for it. I'll see what happens. You know, if right. I don't get it, it's not the end of the world. And I put in for it. The athletic director, Mr. Queen, gave me a call and said, would you like to come in for an interview? And I said, well, of course. I came in, had an interview with uh, Mr. Queen, Miss Davis, the principal. Um, I did really well in the interview, I was told. And, you know, I got the job. And, well, here we are. Well, that sounds like probably like a lot of us out there. As far as uh, getting the job, kind of my, my situation too. I applied for it, so what the heck, see what happens. And, yeah. And it all, it all worked out. So right. is, uh, did you know anything about Ballard Memorial before applying for the job? Oh, yeah. Um, actually, I knew a few things. When I went to Heath, uh, we used to play Ballard um, twice every year. Uh, that was when Coach Jeff Sadler, who's moved to Louisiana now, he was coaching, and they – they had a really good program. You know, they were consistent above 500 for a few years. And I know that that, that program was ran very, very well. And, you know, I always told myself if, if there was a school that I could go coach at once I, once I, you know, decided to get into coaching that Ballard would definitely be at the top of my list. And actually one of my former high school coaches was coaching at Ballard before I left or before I got there, he uh, decided to resign um, it was Coach Tremaine Donald, you know, and I talk to Coach Donald every day about baseball on life, and he's just, you know, he's been a great, great, uh, you know, uh, mentor for me, and he knows a lot about the kids down there, a lot of stuff that I don't know as of now, and he's been helping me out along the way, and, you know, I'm just eternally grateful that um, he and I have kept our relationship together for so long, you know, talking about baseball and 
doing different things and drills and it's just been it's just been an awesome experience well that's awesome man as far as so once you got to bow memorial what's some of the things that uh that you try to do right away um you know one of the things i wanted to do right away was i mean get our guys together i was told by the athletic director that um kids had been since uh coach donald resigned the next day people have been saying hey have you hired a new baseball coach yet because I knew the kids really wanted to get in, get after it. They, uh, we have an athletic complex, we call it the AC, and it's like an indoor facility. And our kids were just, you know, chomping at the bit to start working out. And, well, as soon as I got there, um, about a week afterwards, I think it was after Christmas break, we finally started getting in the AC, started working out, doing pitching workouts, um, uh, hitting workouts, you know, and it's just been – it's just been – going uh, 100 miles per hour ever since you know we're trying to cram a lot of stuff in because I came in at the beginning of 2019 and I didn't see I didn't have all fall to work with these kids I was just kind of thrown in at the last minute you know and I, I think honestly I think I've done a pretty good job with a lot of these kids compared to the situation I have you know just being thrown in at the last minute and just you know trying to make everything work but of course so as far as uh so as far as culture or like day to day things, was there was there something you try to do right away as far as like um, like set a, a, a phrase or identity or this is who we're gonna be or anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean you can see on our baseball Twitter page, I always put dudes because that's that's what we need. That's who we're trying to be. We're trying to be dudes. We're not trying to be duds um, in our program. We we got to be dudes. We can't be duds up at the plate. We can't be duds on the bases on the mound. We got to be dudes. We got to, you know, take the initiative, kick some behind, and you know, just do the things we got to do to win. And I think that's really stuck well with our kids, especially these last few weeks where we've really turned our season around. I love the dude band. That's great. <laughs> I've not heard dude versus dud. That it's so simple. You know, sim- they say uh, simplicity is the 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 new genius. You know, so dude versus dud. I may steal that one later. Right. <laughs> I like that camera. Okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> Um, so let's go ahead and start. Yeah. So obviously you had a late start as far as the fall and we're into the season. So as far as the first part of the season, what are some things that, that you did, or maybe some things you noticed right away that, that the kids need to work on out of the gate? Um, I think one of the big things that, uh, really caught my attention and it caught my assistant coaches. See, I, I got to do a little plug right here. My two assistant coaches, Kenny Smith and Robert might, those guys put in so many hours and, you know, they just – they work their tails off for me, and they make my job a little easier. You know, they'll give it all they got every time, and they expect the same from the kids. And, you know, those guys are just saints. But anyways, yeah. the, the most the most uh, eye-opening thing for me was we, we kind of struggled with the fundamental things. I think, you know, we struggled with doing the most simplest of things, you know, that many schools, uh, big schools, would take for granted, you know, like – turning double plays, knowing what to do with the baseball and bunt coverages, uh, first and third situations, um, you know, things like that. And I, I felt like that was the biggest eye-opener for me that first uh, few days was like, we got to get back to the simple things. We got to do the fundamental plays, all that good stuff that can get us a chance to win. And we actually played uh, Marshall County uh, a few weeks ago and only in their right now on their record, I believe they're like 25 and five. Um, yeah. And we actually went up to Marshall County and 
almost beat them. We were we lost three to two on a walk off hit, but uh, you know the practice before we just got back to the simple things. We just got back. To, I was like, guys, let's just let's take it simple. I mean, let's not try to overthink this. And you know, we had a really good practice that day. We got back to the fundamentals, and you know, we almost came up with the biggest upset of of the year. You know, and we've been able to string a couple wins together and it's just because of those fundamental things that, you know, we've been put in a position to succeed and we've been successful. Right. Yeah. But you never can overestimate the fundamentals. That's a thing we've been uh, struggling with some, the games we've, we've not performed well. We've had like six run innings and it's because we don't call fly balls or we, you know, miss a assignment on a bunt defense and, yeah, it's definitely been our, yeah. our bugaboo too, man. For sure. Believe me, I, I know the feeling. We've had many a games where we've had guys not communicate on fly balls and either run into each other or just let it drop in front of them because they thought somebody else had it. And, you know, at, at 20, at 23, I didn't think it was possible to get gray hair. <laughs> I thought <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> oh, it's I'm so just... funny you say that. I, I've not shaved in a few days. And, you know, being a former active duty military guy, like, uh-huh. You embrace the you, you really do embrace the fact of not having to shave every single day because you know I have like a a dark beard so like uh-huh. even when I shaved with the grain I used yeah. to have you know drill sergeants and, and and other officers be like hey did you shave today I'm like yes yeah. so I had to start shaving against the grain which I love now but but uh, but yeah, oh, yeah so today my daughter's like hey daddy you have, you have gray hair on your chin <laughs> you know so white <laughs> hair I'm like oh man. <laughs> So I got some white spots. I need to shave that out. But anyways, it's funny you said that today. But you, you're, yeah, you're such a young buck. You shouldn't have no gray hair yet, man. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm just fascinated. They haven't given me any gray hair. I just, uh, there's been times where you know where we've, and, and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, say that there's been fundamental things that we should be doing that you know we just we 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 messed up on, and you know, I I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't trade these kids for anything. I love these kids. These kids they work their tails off for me. You know, they invest everything they've got into our season and into everything we do. And, you know, I, I wouldn't trade these kids for anything. And even though they may go through growing pains sometimes, and I go through growing pains too, you know, I'm right there with them, you know, but I still love my kids. And I, you know, I, I, like I said, I wouldn't trade them for anybody. Well, that's that. Hey, can't ask for nothing else more from a head baseball coach. That's for sure. Especially in high school baseball. So let's go ahead and uh, let's let's move over to the future a little bit. So as far as you know, the season's about to wrap up. Obviously, um, what are some things that that you feel like you may need to do moving forward, like in the off season, maybe moving to the fall that that you're excited to uh, have a chance to do this year as you didn't get to do last year. Yeah, well, what we're going to be doing uh, this off season, and actually, like what we talked about previously, is um, we're going to be in the weight room. We are. If you look at our team, uh, I mean, just height stature you know we we look like you know we we look small we are scrawny you know we're not guys or we're not dudes that can go uh you know bench press 265 multiple times we're just we're small we're we look we're we're just scrawny i'll just say that and yeah that's gonna be the one big thing for us this year is we gotta get bigger faster stronger and then that'll help our development and hopefully if we're if we're lucky you know We'll have uh, guys that are bigger, faster, stronger. Pitchers will be adding velocity and control to their pitches. 
you know, and that'll give us a better chance to or give us a chance to succeed against the teams like the Marshall counties and the Paducah Tillman's and the Carlisle's and the McCracken's, you know, and the Graves. And, you know, if we can really attack the weight room this off season and our throwing program, you know, then who's not to say this time next year, you know, we could be making a run for a district championship. And I, I still think we're a year or two away from where we really need to be or where we can be as far as, um, you know, schedule wins and losses, you know, um, competing for a district title or something. But at the same time, you know, if we can, you know, pull our heads together, do the fundamental things for the rest of the year, there's, there's, you know, there's no telling what might happen, you know, cause all it takes is just one game. It all it takes is one pitcher, one of our guys to be on and the other guy for the other team to be off. You know, and, and just you never know. That's the beautiful thing about baseball. <laughs> you know, I, I've been a Cubs fan since 2003, and I never thought, I'll be honest with you, I, I never thought they'd win the World Series. But by God, they finally did it because, you know, yeah. I mean, they, they put it all together. And one of the best managers in baseball led them. And, you know, it's just – it was just it, – it's an un, unbelievable experience because I, I remember watching the game and – you know, all those years getting like, oh, well, the Cubs suck, man. Completely useless by September. You know, believe me, I get that enough. But, um, you know, it, all it takes is just one – it just takes one game. It takes one pitcher and one group of guys that have the same objective, which is to go out there and compete versus the other team who may not have that same objective that day. You know, and that's that can that can make what an upset is all about is what I'm trying to say. Oh, and, yeah, Joe Madden, he's – anybody who follows him in baseball, like Joe Madden because he's just fearless. He doesn't care oh, yeah. what people think. He'll he'll every every batter. He'll, you know, he's kind of a totally outside-the-box kind of guy, be it the players. The players love him. And oh, yeah. He's and definitely somebody to follow if you're a coach out there. and want to, Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Um, we actually had a kid – we played Mayfield the other night, and we ended up losing this game 11-9. Well, we had a guy who was pitching before. He, you know, he, he was kind of having control issues. So I called in a guy that hadn't pitched all year. Well, he's been doing really well in bullpens. You know, he, I, I, I had trust in him. And that's the biggest thing for me. You know, I trust my kids, whoever I throw up there, I trust them to get the job done. Well, um, I called in our right fielder to come in and pitch, and he came in through strikes, had great mechanics. And got us out of a really, really tricky situation. Bases loaded. Um, he gave up a couple of runs that weren't earned for him. It was for the other guy. But at the same time, you know, he got us the ground balls that we needed to get out and get out of the inning, which, you know, was just huge for us. It was just a great, you know, uh, momentum booster. Right. Yeah, so let's dive into your, your roster a little bit. I, I want the listeners to to appreciate what, what – our single A high school has to work with sometimes, and, and okay. you said, "Correct me, right?" You had a seventh grader pitch the other night. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I had a seventh grader pitch against Mayfield. The game we won. Um, he threw, I, I believe, three innings, and he's not—you know—he's not just lobbing the ball up there. He's got some velocity for a seventh grader. Um, right. We actually have one, two, three, three seventh graders. One, two, three, four, four eighth graders, 
and the rest are high school kids. So, um, you know, we we're we're very young. We look like a JV or a freshman team, in all honesty. But you know, our guys are getting experience, which is you know, it's just it's awesome. Even though we are, there have been games where you know we've gotten our tails kicked, but at the same time, you know, we're learning from each of those right, games. Of we're not we're not just taking it and being like, oh well. Another loss, what a surprise. You know, we're actually learning from these games and taking things that can help us yeah. beat teams that, you know, that are are equal, you know, or just a little better, you know. And that's just – and that's why I'm thinking, you know, in a couple of years with all this experience we have, that's not to say we couldn't make a run for a district title and possibly a regional title. Yeah, did you listen to the uh, Mac Whitaker podcast ad a long time ago? I uh, don't believe so. Well, that's a as a as a as a single A coach, I highly recommend listening to that one. You know, Coach Whitaker is the uh, second winningest coach all time in Kentucky <clears throat> High School baseball coaches. Kentucky High School uh-huh. Baseball Association or Kentucky High School Baseball yeah, history. Yeah, I got you. I got you. And I mean, maybe first now. I don't know. He's I know with you know with God rest his soul and Coach Miller at PRP, they were pretty close. Yeah. And uh, but he talks his podcast about having. You know, eighth grade starters, ninth grade starters. Now he believes that coming from a smaller school and having kids, what he learned is that his most successful teams, most of his players have to start at least two to three years before, you know, he, he, he figures that's when they know he has something special when all his kids have played for a couple of years. And a lot oh, of times yeah. he is playing ninth graders and eighth, ninth graders. And, and uh, so that was pretty interesting to hear that point of view from a legendary coach like that. So I recommend yeah. that one out there. If you're uh, any small schools out there want to listen how to how to win at that level with uh, Harrison County, and of course they've done that for years. Yeah, of course. So as far as the so the weight room, it's definitely something that we've talked a lot about on our podcast. As far as just the benefits of it, and and um, of course baseball with the increase in velocity, and and uh, I know I was listening to podcasts a while ago how one of the coaches saying we used to want the try to get the starters pitch. You know, when it came to like mainly college and pro baseball, you uh-huh. know, gets pitch guy up into the bullpen, but now they're like, screw that. The guy coming to the bullpen still 97, 98, too. So we want to, yeah, we'd rather, we'd rather hit the starter, you know, see him a couple of times. So, oh, yeah, and that's a direct yeah. effect of the weight room. And, uh, and so, yeah, so as far as the weight room is concerned, coach, is there anybody or any people you follow as far as that, as far as references or who you're looking after, what programs you may try to find out for your players? Um, I actually there was one program that McCracken used back in the day. Um, it was the University of Nebraska strength program. Um, that's one I've been looking at using. Um, also, when I was in college, there was a program that we used that had different weight workouts, uh, different uh, running exercises, agility exercises um, that I'm definitely going to be implementing in our uh, program. You know, and that's and just. Also, talking to my former uh, coaches that I played for, um, just ask, seeing what they do, you know. I'm just, like like I said, I like to steal stuff, um, you know, other drills and stuff that other coaches do and, you know, make it work in my system. And I've just been very fortunate that Coach Donald, uh, Coach Miller, uh, you know, all those guys have just, you know, given me tidbits of advice and information that I can use in my system and, you know, hopefully put us in a position to succeed down the road. Well, that's uh, it's experience, uh, education, and uh, reasoning are all three things that lead to uh, high success, they say, in medicine anyway. So 
I think you're oh, yeah. on the right path with <laughs> incorporating those yeah. three things. But hey, right. so as far as Region One, so let's talk about the Region One, the okay. far western part of the state. And then we had Coach Miller on uh, back in February. But as far as the season's going, let's talk about about the the teams you've seen out there so far that that have changed things to go pretty far. Um, obviously, when you think of Region One, you think of McCracken. You think you know they've won the region every year since they've been in existence. Um, they've been ranked in the state every year since they've been in existence. I know because I played there and, you know, they, uh, you know, when you think of region one, like I said, you think of McCracken, but you also think of Tillman, um, talent wise, I think Tillman's the best team in region one talent wise. Um, I mean, Graves is really good. Carlisle's, you know, solid as can be Marshall's really good. Um, and then after that, you know, you've got that second tier of teams. And then you have that third tier of teams, like your, you know, the bottom level, your mid-level or your second tier. And then your McCracken, your Tillman's, your Graves, uh, Carlisle's, those are all your first tier teams. Um, you know, and that's the beautiful, beautiful thing about baseball in Region 1. Any of them could make a run at state. I'm going to be honest with you, it is open this year. All it takes is just one guy that's on. Yeah, for one team, and that's literally that's the beautiful thing about baseball is it all takes is one. All it takes is one pitcher that's on, and then have a group of eight guys behind them that you know that that have the same goal as him, which is to go out there and compete and have the and you know put yourself in a position to succeed. And I'll be honest with you, I just I think it could be anybody in Region One in the in those first two tiers that could really you know make a run at this and make a run at state. And that's just that's just how awesome Region One baseball is. It's just it's so unique because you, you never know. You know, it could be somebody completely random. It could be us. You know, not the odds of that happening are not very likely, but you know, it's it, it's possible. All it takes <laughs> is just one one guy that's on, and you know, the other eight behind him ready to go, willing to work their butts off. You know, but like I said, when you think of Region One, it's it's McCracken, Till, Marshall, Carlisle. Graves, you know, not not in any order by any means, believe me. But you know, it's just that's just how it is, you know. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, as we 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 were lucky to play with Duke Tillman, we talked about earlier, and uh, we went extra innings yeah. with those guys, and got to see their ace, and it was a great it was a great game, and and uh, they definitely got some some dudes, as you as you said, that's for sure. That's right. And uh, and yeah, you're right, man. You know, it's my, my brother-in-law is Larry Pointer, and he's head coach. And uh, and so it's we were together a few weeks ago for a family event, and he was talking mm-hmm. about his teams came off a couple losses and how they you know they needed to get better here and there. And yeah, I think the, I think the last coaches ball the number one team in the state. So so yeah. So as far as this year, man, it is there you know there's no Saint X. It's like you 28 no or 28 one this year. There's multiple teams, multiple losses that have some oh, weaknesses, yeah. but it's all possible. I think it's gonna be exciting to see how this goes and. Uh, the rest of the year and see who who comes out on top, but especially with the new semi-state format. So I know that yeah. one of our region gets uh, either gets a region to region eight, so we get region seven when they arrive the bat, which is we played Trinity this year, and Coach Arnold's got a great team also. And oh yeah, and uh, so it, I think we hit on two key points there. I think whoever comes that if it is at Paducah Tillman in McCracken County in that championship game in Region One, you want to see some mm-hmm. great baseball, then that should be a packed stadium. Oh, it will be. You know, it. They play uh, the the region tournaments at Brooks Stadium. That's where. See, I'm coaching with the Paducah Chiefs. It's a summer collegiate team okay. um, in the Ohio Valley League, 
And if I if I know Region One baseball like I've known it for the past few years, oh yeah, McCracken and Tillman, if they're in the championship or whoever's in the championship, I mean these schools have really great fan bases. You know, the, at, at any baseball game, kid, I mean parents will travel, students will travel. They'll come out and they'll support their team, you know, and it's just that's awesome how the parents and other kids will come out and support their schools. Like, I mean, at our school, you know, we have a lot of fans that come to our home games, you know, because they just they love the game of baseball and they love seeing their friends out there playing. And, you know, they hope for nothing but the best. But whoever's in the regional championship game this year, I guarantee it'll be a packed house. And, you know, it's just going to be an awesome atmosphere and hopefully you know there'll be some good baseball going on which I I know there will be yeah of course there's a lot of there's a lot of horses in region one this year man as far as baseball players I that's for sure and, oh yeah uh, that, that'll be exciting it's all exciting and same time as the coaches it's nerve-wracking that's for sure yeah it's it's just one of those things man you just gotta take it day by day and you know just roll with the punches as I say so as far as our association coach, is there anything that you – I know that we've had recommendations, including Coach Miller, uh, McCracken, and, and um, a few other coaches as far as our class system is concerned. Um, so is there anything as far as association you feel like we can do to help better baseball across the state of Kentucky? Um, I think one thing, I think the class system would actually be better for – you know, I mean, we have the all-A – which is which is great because it gives the smaller schools like us, Mayfield, uh, Murray, all those guys, you know, it, it gives us our moment, you know, because most of the time, you know, you've got your Louisville Trinities and your St. Xavier's and, you know, Oldham County and all and Scott County and all you guys, you know, in the state tournament. Well, you know, we usually the smaller schools, you know, kind of get left out. And then I think class baseball wouldn't be a bad thing. Um but also, I think, too, um, instead of playing single elimination games, you know, I think it'd be a double elimination. But that kind of, kind of, you know, just uh, unjustifies my point of, you know, it, it takes just one person, you know. Right. But at the same time, I think uh, double elimination would be uh, more suitable because, I mean, that's how – I mean, I'm just – I'm thinking of, you know, NCAA, Super Regionals, you know, all that good stuff. Oh, yeah, that's a great and format. Just, I just think it'd be more beneficial to do that instead of just one single elimination game, even though it, it, you know, lengthen the season a little longer. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of teams, a lot of great teams get knocked out early. Teams that could potentially win it all um, are sold short of their potential because just of one bad game, you know. But that's just that's just my thoughts on it. I, you know, I'm I'm still learning all about the stuff that goes on. Uh, with the state tournament and everything, you know, I'm, I'm down, you know, for whatever I'm, I'm an easygoing guy. I'll do what, you know, what, whatever's, whatever's <laughs> yeah. asked of me, I'll do it, you know, within reason. And uh, coach, you referenced earlier that, you know, American baseball code association, are you a member of that also ABCA? Yes, sir. Of course. This is my first year as a member. I did not go to the convention this year. I actually registered about a few months after because I didn't, I didn't really know much about it. Like, so I looked into it. I said, well, I might as well get a membership. Yeah. So next you're, year. You're a young buck. Yeah. And next year I'm definitely going to be down there in Nashville. I know a few Region 1 coaches go down there um, to the ABCA convention. I know for sure this year uh, coming up that I'll definitely be down there and hopefully get to meet a lot of, um, you know, a lot of awesome people and learn a lot of great stuff that I can 
you know, using our program and hopefully put us in a position to succeed down the road. Today, Coach, thanks for being on the, the, the podcast. We appreciate you having you on, and thanks for helping grow the game of baseball. I mean, we wish you nothing but the best, and uh, thanks for being such a great supporter of the Kentucky High School Baseball Coach Association on Twitter and spreading the game and retweeting us and liking us, and uh, I'm excited to see what, what you do there for the next, next couple of years. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it, and thanks for having me on. What a great episode by Coach Gudgel. It was great to hear the uh, all-A perspective again and kind of the struggles that go through. But as we know, man, a lot of programs in that level play great baseball. Let's look at Beachwood and, and the state champ winning the all-A this year as they've just been a force. We, we were lucky to play them a couple years ago, and they came to our park and just hit. We had some dudes, but they had some dudes too, man. So all-A baseball, don't, don't, don't count them out. Some of those guys can really play. Uh, also, we want to thank Anchor for sponsoring us and uh, giving us the opportunity to um, get get the podcast out there and, and spread across the state free of charge. And uh, now if we get so many listens, they're going to give some money back, which is nice. Uh, so it's good the money go back to the Kentucky High School Baseball Coach Association. So we hope you continue to share, like, subscribe, review our podcast and uh, continue to spread the word of, of what these great coaches are doing across the state. That being said, I hope every coach has an injury-free postseason. Their kids play hard, and I'm sure they will, and I'm excited to see how the state tournament all unfolds. That being said, you all have a great, great rest of your week, and never stop learning. <laughs>